Pastini is Eugene's new Italian bistro at Oakway Center, dedicated to serving up two of life's greatest pleasures, pasta and wine. Join them for classic favorites like spaghetti and meatballs, linguine with clams and sausage, and fettuccine Alfredo paired with hand-selected Pacific Northwest and Italian wines. Pastini. Eat pasta. Drink wine. Welcome to the Duck Pod from DuckSports.com. Here's Ryan Thorburn and Austin Meek from the Register Guard Newsroom. All right, Austin, here we are for another podcast right in the middle of football season, but we're going to take advantage of Oregon football's off week and change directions with a, a very special guest, Kelly Graves, head coach of the Oregon women's basketball team, uh, movie star, and great guy to come into the RG and do this in person. Kelly, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Awesome, Ryan. Thanks for having me. And first time I've been here. I see the beautiful building along the freeway every time I come <laughs> back into town, but I've never actually been here. It's nice. Yeah. Well, this is where all the magic happens, so to speak. Um, I had a chance to swing by your practice the other day, your first practice of the season. Um, seems like yesterday we were in Spokane at the Elite Eight, but here we are again. It's got to be exciting, obviously. The fans are excited that you have so many great players back from back-to-back Elite Eight teams. How did you find the team as they returned? Uh, refreshed. I think really excited. I think they're motivated. Um, basically gave them the summer off. Uh, they came back mid-August. Uh, we only had them come do maybe one session of summer school, and we have so many international players that even others didn't even come back at all. So I think that's good. I think the the, the, the summer off uh, got them all refreshed. They're ready to go. I think the uh, the attitude's great. I think we don't have many, as you as you well know, and you wrote about, but uh, uh, but I think the ones that are here are completely bought in and, and excited. Do you think that helps the chemistry, though? Because the nine healthy ones, and you'll have ten when Lydia Giomi gets healthy, I mean, they're all going to have to play major roles for you. Yeah, I do. I, I think it helps. I, I spent a good portion of the offseason talking to coaches who have small rosters, including you know, my friend Gino Ariema, about you know how to structure practices and how to, to, to kind of structure really the whole season, the preseason process. And uh, one of the things he said, as, as did some other coaches, that once I've had a small roster, I'll never go back. Hmm. And uh, and and now I've never experienced this, so this is new to me. But uh, from everybody I've talked to, they're all of the consensus that it it's better for team chemistry. It's actually better for chemistry on the court because they are playing a lot of minutes together. And so I'm 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 looking forward to that that challenge. Yeah, Kelly, what is your challenge with this team? Because it doesn't seem like a team that you're going to have to spend a lot of time motivating. You're not. It's not like you've got to create a culture or anything. It seems like that's pretty much in place with this team. So is it just figuring out how you replace Bando's contributions? Uh, just figuring out, you know, how to set your rotation in terms of minutes to keep everybody fresh. What What's your challenge with this team? 
Well, I think uh, the biggest challenge is coming externally. You know, I think the expectations that that people have for us, uh, you know, I think we're anywhere from two to four on pretty much all the preseason prognostications in in the country. And, you know, we we don't want I don't want my team to feel that kind of pressure. I mean, we always put pressure on ourselves to be the very best we can be. And that's all we can do. That's all we can control. Um, So I think that that is going to be a challenge. I think the on court stuff is the easy part in terms of, you know, I think most of our kids know their roles. Uh, they've all been here. We really only have with, with Niara not being with us, we really only have one new player. And so, you know, she's going to, it'll take some time for her to get up to speed, but pretty much, you know, we run the same stuff offensively and defensively. Uh, so there's not a, a huge learning curve when it comes to that. Uh, the playing time, I think that always works itself out. And we have the kind of players that, quite frankly, aren't aren't that concerned about it, I, I think. You're probably running out of superlatives for Sabrina Ionescu. <laughs> uh, she's really well-known coast-to-coast now, not just in the women's basketball world, but just as one of the great competitors in sport right now. What's something about Sabrina that that we don't know that uh, makes her so special? Well, you may not know that she's a twin. She has a twin brother who actually lives here in town. Uh, I think you may not know that she has a a very strong Romanian background. I mean, her family speaks fluent Romanian at home. Uh, She knows it as well. Um, you know, we have a lot of international players, and we always consider her kind of international, too, even though she was born and raised right here. Uh, I, I think the things that you may not know behind the scenes, I mean, she's such a competitor. I mean, she truly is in, in, in everything that she does. Uh, but she's really got a soft side. You know, she's, uh, in fact, my wife and I are going to uh, the museum, art museum on campus tonight, and her and Aaron Boley both have some paintings that are being displayed in the, in the Art of the Athlete program. That's cool. Uh, so she's got those kind of talents. She's a good student. Uh, you know, she's really the whole package. I mean, it, it's, it's crazy. She is, uh, she's a coach's dream in, in, in lots of different ways, and I'll give you one example. If you came to our practice, I tell our, all our kids, when you watch walk into to the gym and there are some there are people that you don't know or don't recognize make sure you go over and introduce yourself you know and thank them for coming well she she does that on her own anyway and then after the practice she'll remember their name and then go back and thank them for coming you know hey ryan really appreciate you being here and you know i get emails and calls back from from people who were there going oh my goodness that's so impressive so that's who she is you see a great player on the court but off the court she's just as as just as fantastic I don't remember where I saw this, if it was just something on social media or if, it, if somebody had done a story about it, but uh, the possibility that, that she might think about turning pro after this year, which you, you don't really see that in the women's game. Is it Candace Parker? Was she the only one who had done that, maybe? Something like that. Um, is that a conversation that you'll you'll have with her at some point? This season, yeah, we've both been so busy. You yeah. know, early on, uh, September's a huge recruiting month for us, and and they didn't get here till toward the end of September, so we haven't had a chance to sit down and talk about it. I know it's on our radar. I know WNBA people are, are talking about it. She will be age eligible uh, to to leave. I think um, you know if it's a monetary decision, that's probably not in her best interest because the reality is, as a number one pick in this year's draft, let's say, you know. 
she's going to be slotted at $48,000. That's what, what they make. And then it goes up to about 54 in the fourth year. So, you know, the collective bargaining agreement I know is up after this year. There's been a lot of talk in the WNBA about raising salaries and stuff. I, I don't know how real that's going to be. So she might behoove her to, to wait another year. We'll see. Um, the, the, the market overseas isn't nearly as hot as it was. And it certainly isn't for a 5'11 guard. Mm-hmm. You know, they like, if they're going to bring in imports, they want them to be 6'6" you know and and Brittany Griner types dunking and things like that so I, I don't know but we haven't had a, a chance to to sit down and really talk about it but bottom line is I'll support her whatever she wants to do I mean I think everybody would love for her to be here another two years but you know that that's a decision that uh, that she can make along with her parents and I'll certainly be part of that decision yeah what's what's your perception of the opportunities that are out there now for for women's players beyond the college game it, it seems like the WNBA is getting some traction from from fans and people are realizing that it's a high level of basketball yeah. but maybe that hasn't translated yet in financial opportunities for for players to play in that league yeah I, I just think that's got to change I mean um, right now I think the WNBA max salary so your superstars are at 115, 120. I mean, that's a great living. You know, we, we, yeah. I don't want to poo-poo that, but when you consider, you know, what other athletes make in other sports, it's it's not that high. And so uh, mo- pretty much 90% of, of the, uh, you know, WMB players have to go overseas to really supplement the income, and, and the salaries can be greater over there. But that's drying up a little bit. There's not a lot of money in it there, and so the, the upper echelon leagues kind of, take the, the huge talent um, I wish they would pay more I do I think they they've earned it but let's, I'm not a businessman uh, somebody's obviously you know looking at the at the dollars and maybe it's not viable but I, I sure wish it was I wish our, they would make enough money to, to be able to, to be able to only stay here in America and play you know because they're they're compensated well enough. Austin wrote a, a great column about Ruthie last year um, and her being an adopted child. And obviously she's from Alaska, which yeah. you don't see a lot of big-time basketball players from Alaska. How did she get on your radar? And obviously you guys are going to, to Fairbanks to open the season and, and, and just talk about that trip a little bit as well. Well, it's it's going to be great. It's something we had planned. I gave her a... a, a, a Choice, You know, we could go to the Great Alaska Shootout. However, I think actually they don't do that anymore. Uh, or one game in Fairbanks, and she opted for that, play in front of her home folks. Uh, I think it's going to be a, an amazing atmosphere. All her family and friends will be there. Um, and, you know, we're going to make it special in more than just the basketball game. We're going to spend a full – we're going to get there two days early. And uh, the day before the game, we're going to go to her elementary school. And I know we've got a lot of activities planned both athletically and academically to, to kind of give back to the community. I think that's going to be great. What a great role model she is and, and a chance for all those kids to see her. You know, this is Ruthie. She's, you know, went to school here. Uh, and so it's a, it's a win-win. I think most coaches try to get – their players back to their home uh, area to play a game at some point. And it just worked out in the schedule to do it this way. So really excited about that trip. Not about the length of the flight and everything. <laughs> and we get in at midnight, but I think it's going to be. And we're going to go to the North Pole while we're there. Oh, cool. Yeah, North Pole, Alaska. It's kind of a cool place. Say hi to Santa. <laughs> Will do. Uh, did you Put know? a beard on me and I could probably <laughs> pass for him. Did you know she was going to be good? Or did you think, well, she's playing against, you know, not great competition in Alaska, and we'll see. Maybe she could be good. Or when did you realize she was going to be special as well? 
Well, you could just see the talent ooze out of her. And and granted, she's not going against great competition there, but you could just tell. I mean, this, this was a special player. I did not, however, see the impact she was going to make this early in her career. We thought she was going to be somewhat of a project, you know, uh, and she's still a work in progress. That's what's incredible. I mean, she's still got work to do in her footwork and stance and positioning and those kind of things. But she's just, you know, she is an incredible talent. And, and a very humble person. I mean, she is uh, an amazing teammate. She truly is. Well, this is usually a football podcast. Kelly, I know you keep up on the on the football. Yeah. So Mario Cristobal got you fired up. They they got you in the uh, weight room filling the sleeves. What's, what's <laughs> it been like for you to uh, watch Mario Cristobal's team this year? Yeah, I can fill out my shirt. Maybe not the <laughs> sleeves as much as other spots, but uh, yeah, I, I think he's great. We had a chance to spend some time together this summer going to different golf, golfing events, you know, alumni events. And I'll tell you, that guy, talk about someone who is singly focused you know he has two passions from what i've gathered family he likes talking about his family and football i mean if you try to introduce any other subject he pivots <laughs> back to those two you know uh but i think he's done an amazing job and uh you know i I thought he showed us a lot, and his team showed us a lot last week by the way they handled Cal, which could have been a tough game, especially after the way the Stanford game finished. I, I think that shows a lot uh, the character that the team has. And, and let's face it, he is crushing it on the recruiting trail. And, and listen, I'm a coach, and I tell everyone yeah, that's, that's all of it. I mean, it's recruiting. I, you, Ryan, you could have the best, better players than me, or I, I could be the greatest coach in the world. And if you have better players than me, guess what? You're probably going to beat me pretty much every time. And uh, and you know, so he's a good coach, got a great staff, and now he's he's getting a ton of talent. So I think the future's bright. Yeah. Really like him. On that note, talking about recruiting. Give people an idea of what your recruiting schedule is like, because uh, it just it sounds crazy. I mean, you know, going overseas and going around to tournaments. Like, what what is your <laughs> recruiting calendar like? Well, for for any uh, future coach, you know, somebody that thinks they want to be in the coaching, turn this off right now for the next few <laughs> minutes because I may I may scare you away yeah. from it. it. That the reality is, it's a world game for us, and so we are chasing talent all over the world. Uh, I think last year, I, I, I log all of this. I missed a part or all of 130 days I was on the road. Now, that's not all basketball related. Some of that's family and some other things. But I was on the road 130 days last year. Uh, you know, I'll give you an example. Here's one trip. I went to uh, – this was last week. I went – I left on a Tuesday morning, 5 o'clock flight to Chicago. Watched a young woman in Chicago. Uh, had to get up early the next morning, fly into Philadelphia. Now, the wake-up time, I'm still on West Coast time a little bit, was 1.30 and 2 in the morning when I'm waking up. Then I go to Philly, have to drive a couple hours to this place in New Jersey, uh, then back to Philly, get up again bright and early, fly into L.A. for for the day, have a two stops, and then I'm on the – L.A. to San Francisco, San Francisco, you know, one o'clock a.m. Uh, arrived time, and that's normal, you know. And then now add to that trips to Australia and Belarus, like I went this summer, and all over the place. And it's just, 
you know, it, that's the way it is. You got to chase talent. You got to go meet with these young women. You got to see them play. And, um, but I love it. I, I absolutely love it. I think recruiting is so much fun. I hate being gone from uh, from the family that much, but I really enjoy seeing different parts of the world. And and I'm one of those who I can't just go to a city one day. I have to fill up my day. So let's say when I was in, in Indianapolis, I I drove or excuse me, Cincinnati. I I went to the Northern Kentucky practice, you know, and got some. You know, I just I like doing those kind of things. Last year, ironically, when I was in Minneapolis, I I went to the Minnesota practice. I talked to the coaches. I usually know them, and they they had me come in, and I and I watched them practice. And ironically, we ended up playing them in the NCAA tournament yeah. later on. But uh, yeah, she said you're not coming to any more practice. <laughs> well, and and she's right because now she coaches in Lubbock. I'm not going to Lubbock anytime not of, soon. Not a lot of recruits in Lubbock. <laughs> well, and there's not a lot to see in yeah. Lubbock. So, Have, is Sabrina's recruitment still the most unique thing you've ever been involved in? And do you kind of still pinch yourself that it is just over two years ago that she just showed up and, and helped helped you change this thing? It is strangest uh, ever. And I shouldn't say strange. It was just she just was very deliberate and waited. You know, I'll tell June that just does not happen. It happens a little bit in the men's game, but not in the women's game. Uh, I, yes, and and just like the text that that I got from Phil Knight when she did commit, saying that she is a game changer not only for your program but for the university. Uh, he was right on because she has been. I mean, she has put a stamp on our program that uh, that will be unforgettable and uh, you know and if she continues the way she is she she could be one of those kids on the so-called Mount Rushmore of great athletes we've had at the University of Oregon and uh, so yeah that was uh, that was like uh, we were poker players we we didn't want to fold our hands some coaches folded you know they, they didn't want to wait that long and we didn't um, you know, we had four aces, and we were going to play that thing all the way through, and I'm glad we did. Obviously, on the men's side, the FBI has been involved in recruiting for the better part of a year now. Yeah. Um, how, how would you describe women's basketball recruiting? Because there's obviously a lot of competition, but is it that cutthroat, or is it more of a – how would you describe it? I mean, you go against Gino and all the top recruiters. Yeah, we are now, for sure. Um, no, I don't think it's as cutthroat in terms of – I. you know, I don't think – people are paying you know players under the table or anything like that uh it is i think more difficult and i'll tell you why recruiting women there aren't as many players Mm -hmm. there aren't as many quality players and so they tend to go to the top 10 or 15 programs that's why you know you're you can't see a, a umbc or loyola chicago that just doesn't happen in in the women's game because there are fewer players to recruit, number one. Number two, those players can will stay four years, so you don't have that special group of seniors that can then beat a team of a bunch of one-and-dones in, in a tournament. And, and we have more scholarships to give. We have 15, so there's – you know, fewer players then for the masses to, to, to get. So, um, but but it is competitive. I, I think the women's coaches do a great job in, in establishing relationships early on. I think that plays better for female recruits than it does for the men. You know, men can maybe get in late on a guy and get him because they have a spot for him and they've got a couple other all-stars. I think with women, you have to really cultivate the relationship from a younger age and and carry that all the way through the recruiting process. 
So you brought up Gino. That's been a topic in in the women's game is just how how dominant UConn has been. But now a couple years in a row, a team has has beaten them in the Final Four. Um, do you feel like we're now seeing maybe what people talked about was that UConn's dominance was going to make everybody else rise up to their level? Are you, are you starting to see that in the women's game? I was one of those right from the very start that said that or that would say that I didn't think UConn was bad for the game. I think it's good for the game because, like you just said, everybody needs to to rise and get better. And I think that's happening. It's They're still the, they're still the barometer. They're still the tiger of the sport. Um, they drive the ratings and the interest in, in a lot of that stuff. But, yeah, people are, are getting closer. And, um, you know, but he does a great job, still gets great players. They're, they're not going anywhere as long as he's there. So we were talking the other day, and you, you don't come out and say, hey, our goal is the Final Four this year or anything like that. It's just kind of a, a daily process. But obviously, back-to-back elite eight appearances, um, that's the next logical step, and, and you have the team to do it. What's kind of the key to, to getting there without talking about getting there all the time? Well, I think just the focus on the process, you know, getting better each and every day. Those are our goals. We don't even have a goal of winning the Pac-12 or the Pac-12 tournament or that kind of – we know we're good enough when we talk about that. We're good enough to do that. So now let's maximize our potential. And you you do that, I think, by just grinding it out each and every day and trying to get better. Uh, They understand what's going on, and I agree with you. That is the next most logical step, and we're good enough to get there. But if we just make that our singular goal, then I think, you know, we won't enjoy the season as much. Um, To get there, I think, you know, we have to stay hungry. Again, those external expectations, I think we just – kids can't worry about that. I always tell them, stay off social media if you can, you know, I know it's important and they love to do it, but stay off it. I, I think, number two, we've got to have great health. We, we have such a thin bench that we need to stay healthy uh, the entire year. And I've got to manage those minutes for them and, and keep them healthy. Uh, and then I think thirdly, it's just, you know, continuing to love each other. It sounds like a cliche, guys, but it is really true. I think the teams that go the furthest are the teams that really enjoy playing with each other and, and like each other. In, in our sport, that I think is, is as important as any factor and um, so, you know, those are the areas we're going to really focus on. So you mentioned that Gino and, and now you're going to try it like the shorter roster and, and you get 15 scholarships. So you've got 10 players right now. Um, so your next recruiting class with only Maite being a senior, you know, and Audi, and Audi yeah, as well. So two, so two mm-hmm. seniors. Um, what do you what? Because obviously the 2016 class was big, but are you going for more quality over quantity, or, or how? What's kind of the the strategy there with so many scholarships available? Well, we look at it. Who are we chasing? We're chasing Notre Dame and UConn and South Carolina and Mississippi State. Those are the teams that we want to be and and stay near. Um, and so if we don't feel that a player will help us to that end. We, we don't recruit them. So the reality is our recruiting list is quite small. You know, we're, we're gonna, we've set a certain bar, and, and if we don't feel the player can reach that, then, then we, we move on. And if that means we only sign two this coming year, we'd like to sign three or four and keep the roster size at 11 or 12. That, that would be my ideal, yeah. always with a scholarship open uh, or two for maybe a transfer that, that, that can come in uh, late or whatever. But, uh, 
Yeah, I think you know, it's kind of funny. We're, we're chasing the same players that, that that UConn is and South Carolina and Notre Dame and, and the, the, the usual suspects. When I was at Gonzaga, my previous school, I had a big, broad selection. You know, you, you had to cast a wider net. And, uh, and here we can keep it fairly narrow. But it's competitive. Yeah. <laughs> it is competitive. So, Kelly, you're a Broncos guy, is that right? I am. By the way, I am so impressed, you guys. No notes. <laughs> it's all up Are here, Are you just man. that smart? <laughs> Jeez. We just learned how to fake our way through this. This is impressive. Yes, Broncos. All right. Ryan used to cover the Broncos, yep. a Denver yep. guy. A Chiefs guy. Oh. Pat Mahomes. Well. Can we put him in the Hall of Fame right now? Is he better than Elway? He is not better than Elway, but I'm telling you, that is one hot quarterback right now. We'll, we'll see if that can continue, but my goodness, is he on a roll or what? Kind of reminds me of Herbert. It's crazy. Yeah. Herbert those... in that Cal game was so dialed yeah. in. Man, he was good. But uh, yes, yeah, Mahomes is uh, he's, he's special. We'll see if he can continue. Mm-hmm. The Chiefs always seem to die late, though. You, think you had to a, bring that up. I, well, uh, I did, yeah. yeah. Len, hey, Len Dawson isn't showing up anytime soon, Trust partner. me. I, I grew up <laughs> as a kid. Elway, didn't matter what the score was, Chiefs-Broncos, Elway would always find a way to beat the Chiefs. So now that, now that the Chiefs have that guy, I just got to savor it. I'm hoping this is the year that they don't yeah. choke it at home in the playoffs, but... History says that that might happen again. No, I think this is their year. I don't see New England as the same, you know. Uh, They're still – they're not going anywhere, but I think the AFC is a little bit down, a little bit down. If you're thinking Jacksonville's one of the favorites, then I think you got a good shot. So, Did you see that video of Mahomes throwing it 90 yards during warm-ups? I did not. Um, That's impressive. It's funny because when I was a kid – which will date myself. I'm a lot older than Austin. Um, my dad took me to a Broncos game when I was a kid when Elway was a young player. And I remember during warm-ups, he was at his goal line, and there he's just throwing long passes, warming up. And he threw a pass down the sideline from his goal line to Rick Upchurch, and Louis Wright was kind of jogging with him, guarding him. And I swear he caught it at, like, the other 10. Just wow, that's with so. No, Elway the, was so, special. I mean, you were joking about is he better than Elway? They're very similar in terms of yeah. the raw athleticism, and and you remember Elway could just run the ball like crazy before that was a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he was he was a, he was a great athlete. I know. I I I can't. It's hard to compare. Maybe you can compare the skills now, but come on, Elway did it for a long time, and he was pretty successful. <laughs> he did. All right, so, all right, I'll give you Elway. Imagine if Elway had these rules and these coaches like an Andy Reid. Yeah. I remember Dan Reeves was handoff, handoff. I know. Third and know. 13. Okay, John, yeah. <laughs> get us out of this. Yeah. Well, now, was it true? Did Elway – somebody told me that he didn't have either ACL. He had torn both. He was missing an ACL at least in one knee. In one is, knee. I'd heard both. Yeah, could so. be both. But yeah. I, Could I you remember. imagine? Yeah, Man. I played without an ACL, at least without one ACL. That's crazy. Huh. Well, Kelly, we really appreciate you coming in here. Yeah. I, I tell people my... all the time, women's basketball season tickets are the best value of anything right? you can do. Uh, this is going to be a really fun team, and we're looking forward to covering it. So thanks for coming in here, and my pleasure. have a great thanks season. Thanks for having me. 
Now, do I get lunch too? Does that come with it? <laughs> we I have that con- uh, company credit card. Yeah, okay. I, I can have no, an apple good. on my desk. I eat on my way up, but thanks. <laughs> All right, fellas. Hey, thanks for what you do too. I, I really appreciate. It. I think it's great that we have a, an awesome hometown newspaper. I truly do because I know they're going away in a lot of places. I think that's great. It makes this makes Eugene special. It truly does. Well, and what uh, another thing that makes Eugene special? Because um, obviously, I cover Oregon football, which is a big deal, but. There's little pockets of fan bases, whether it's women's basketball or softball, that are so hardcore. Um, I guess just on the way out, what's it been like to grow that from where you were your first year to, I think you guys have 3,000 or more season tickets already sold. And I'm sure a lot of people are waiting until the Pac-12 schedule comes out. Yeah, incredible. No, it truly is. It's been fun to watch. And listen, I, I know part of it is because we have a, a good product. Uh, part of it is I know that the, the school's putting an emphasis on it. Uh, we do have those those fans here. But it, it's been so cool to see uh, the uh, the fans come back because I know this was at once the, the spot to be. And, and they're coming back, and I, I really appreciate it. I know our team – team does as well i remember that first year man we we couldn't get people out heck some of the games i didn't want to go you know what i mean but it's been really fun to see the uh you know the reemergence of our fan base yeah you used to 49 bucks ryan yes 49 bucks and and i think that covers like 18 games yeah 17 games maybe go buy an ad on this podcast but uh (laughs) let's uh you know what i'm gonna bring it up to him on my way back yeah your first year i mean you could literally drive up park and walk in and start covering the game yeah (laughs) as the national anthem now you you better get there early there's lines yeah, the only ones that would come were roommates and parents and, and a couple people that just straggled in. They didn't really know what was going on. They saw the lights on. Okay, well, we'll stop by. And, uh, yeah, and to see the difference now is, is amazing. All right. Hey, thanks okay, again, buddy. Kelly. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Duck Pod from DuckSports.com. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts and always available at DuckSports.com.